everyone. Hi, hello. It is me, Allison Rosen. Welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. I am sitting here with the very impressive Sophia Amoruso. She is... Oh, thank you. Thank you. I got, I got to intro you so they can know all the impressive things about you. But first, I want to tell everyone, you danced during the theme song, Thank You. When people I did. just sit there not feeling it. I, I bounced like, in my chair. I was yeah. just like, you know, conservative dance. Right, chair. but yeah. still, it's like the the beat moved you, and I appreciate that. It did, yeah, it's fun. Thank you very much, Jeff. Why can't all guests have that attitude? I want the clapping again. Sometimes the rhythm is going <laughs> to get you. Sometimes the rhythm is not going to get you. <laughs> the rhythm got you. It got me. That's right. So, entrepreneur, founder of Nasty Gal, author of the New York Times bestseller Girl Boss and the forthcoming Nasty Galaxy, which yep. comes out in October, host of Girl Boss Radio podcast, producer of the forthcoming Girl Boss TV show on Netflix, and you were on the cover of Forbes for the self-made woman issue, and they estimated your worth at $240 million. That's all Forbes. <laughs> Richer than Beyonce. Um, that, yeah. That's I, insane. I guess. I don't know. But I read something that where you were saying <laughs> that a figure like that, like it's not like you have 240 million. You didn't say this, but this is what I took from it. It's not like you have 240 million in your shoe or in your wallet. Like that's tied no, up. It's like my company is valued at a certain amount or Forbes estimates that my company is worth a certain amount and I own over half of it. So that means that I must be worth that. And, right. you know, I'm a homeowner and I, you know, I, I like my car and stuff, but <laughs> you know, I'm not like flying private. So, right. You know. Have you ever flown private? I have. I have on other people's dimes or just like hopping on just like, you know, sh- sure. You know, <laughs> but only a few times. Right. Um, okay. So there's so much to get into. Let's just start at the beginning. Okay. Um, born San Diego. Yeah. Grew up Northern California. Sacramento. Um, what was, I know that you chose to be homeschooled at a certain point. I did. My senior year of high school. I, I mean, I just, I hated high school. Um, I felt really out of place. I felt trapped. I felt like I was being trained for like a really boring life and that <laughs> a bell rang and I had to go do the same thing every day. I thought it was like soul crushing to do to like a young mind. And I, I learned by doing things. I don't learn by listening and writing things down helps, but mm-hmm. I just have to kind of interact and ask questions and wrap my myself around things it's a little excessive the way I learn but that's just how I learn um and it just wasn't right for me so yeah homeschooled my senior year moved out before I graduated into a closet in downtown Sacramento for $60 a month it was so funny I just um had my mom on my podcast yesterday and she was telling me about her story and her her in the 1970s when she moved into her first place she paid $80 a month (laughs) So I paid less than my mom did in the 70s for my first, it wasn't a place, it was literally like Harry Potter, but like Harry Potter's closet, but smaller. So yeah, um, and then like flailed a lot and, you know, started Nasty Gals, an eBay store in 2000, late 2006. Mm-hmm. So yeah. what was your childhood like? I'm an only child. Um, my parents weren't super happy together. They finally split up when I was 17, which is why I was like, peace. I was able to like move out because when you're an only child, there's just 
way too much attention on you. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, please let me out of this unhappy household, please. Was there a lot of fighting? There's a lot of fighting and um, they just didn't really agree on, how, you know, how to raise me or education or they're just, it just wasn't right for a long time. And, you know, I think my mom was, um, you know, she was a product of like the 1950s and um, grew up in like a, a religious household and, you know, felt like her wifely duties were to like be unhappy kind of <laughs> eternally. And then I don't know, there was like a break point and it was I wish yeah in some ways I wish it had been sooner I congratulated my mom when they divorced and my dad's gotten like way cooler since then he's cool now and my mom's way happy and she's remarried but were you sad at all when they divorced like was there any sort of loss no loss no no the only thing that was sad was at a certain point that there was like no home to go back to like we all moved out of the family home and Mm -hmm. so there will never be like a place that i can return to that's the only thing but that's fine i mean i can make any place my home right so you moved out on your own at were you 17 17 um looking back do you feel like you were ready yeah very ready and i totally flailed it's not like i was like you know uh an adult contributing to society, but I was certainly ready to go out and like learn the hard way and get out of the suburb and see that there was like non-corporate like entities Mm -hmm. in the world and experience like sushi or, you know, like, (laughs) um, I mean, it was like Sacramento can be really homogenous. Um, so I was just ready. So I moved to Olympia, Washington. Sorry, I'm just pushing the microphone at you. Yeah. I moved to Olympia, Washington and that was, you know, there's no more culture shock than like hanging out at the Evergreen State College and, you know, dating a guy that lives in a tree house. And did you really date a guy who lived in a tree house? Mm -hmm. And he peed on, in a sink on a balcony that had a hose attached to it that went down and watered a fern below. There was like literally a tree in the middle of the house. A visionary. Yeah. I mean, I witnessed like hippies um, who had, they were like vegan, but they were like freegan. So they found a deer on the side of the road <laughs> and brought it back and were like, it's still warm. It's, it's like sacrificed for us. Let's like, they like strung it up and skinned it. And there was like some naked hippie lady with like its blood on her. And then they made like a venison stew and I was exposed to a lot at so like a really young age. Free aspect was more important than the vegan aspect. It was. It was like, yeah, like we're not creating supply and demand and right. we didn't kill anything. So it's okay. Well, actually, I think I read that you said somewhere that initially you were very anti-capitalism. I, yeah, I mean, those were the, I was hanging out with those kinds of people and I was reading anarchist texts and I thought that, you know, money was like the root of all evil. And, you know, I'm not saying money is like the best thing in the world either, but it's just a, it's just a fact. Like we need to like have a house, have a roof over our heads and feed ourselves. And, you know, um, so I rejected a lot uh, early on only because I had the privilege to, you mm-hmm. know, it's like, and then, realized like I don't want this lifestyle forever so I just got you know I got some crappy jobs and started you know a legitimate you know lifestyle at the very least you know the the first stuff I sold on online long before eBay was like stuff I stole from like Barnes and Noble or like I'd steal a stack of CDs from Starbucks or I'd steal sheets from Bed Bath and Beyond and were you um, like a crazy Um, kleptomaniac I was not a kleptomaniac I just believed that corporations were like totally faceless so that they were so large that no one would ever feel it if I like stole from them but it's just at the end of the day it's not that's not how you build a life and by breaking those rules you're really putting yourself at risk and in the hands of you know other people and it's 
you know, and that can happen even if you don't break the rules, unfortunately, given what we're seeing um, happen in the world today. But um, so did you feel at the time that you were stealing stuff from faceless corporations, did you feel justified? Cause it was like, did you feel like it was a righteous thing to do? Yeah. I was like a snotty kid. I was like 18. <laughs> okay. So yeah, I think I did. And it was, it was like thrilling and I just wasn't ready to like to grow up or contribute. And I just felt like everything had been kind of, it was just like, here's the world now. Good luck. And mm-hmm. I, I had to kind of make my own world by rejecting it at first. And I appreciate the things that I have that I've earned now after having, um, I think explored them by, by having rejected them. You know, it's like, I like to shave my legs, but I didn't for a really long time and I do it for me and I don't do it because someone told me to, Mm -hmm. you know? So I I had to reject a lot of things to eventually appreciate them. I think, um, Oh, here's a question. This is like a sprawling question. So I'm going to ask it. And then if anything comes to mind, let me know. Okay. But you don't have to answer right away. Um, Okay. You said that you, you like shaving your legs for you. Mm -hmm. Um, Not because someone told you to, but I'm wondering, is there anything that you used to do because people told you to that either now you don't or now you do, but it's for you? I mean, it's hard to know. Like, influence is such a fluid thing, you know? It's hard to know your motivation sometimes because things can come in from so many different, you know, in so many different uh, directions. So I could say that I was influenced to reject the things that I did as much as I was influenced to, um, you know, accept the things that I have. It's really, it's, that's a really hard question to mm-hmm. ask, I guess. You can only do what feels right to you at the time and hope that you keep evolving and learning. Right. And put yourself in a position where, um, you're empowered in your life and, you know, you feel secure and, um, are hopefully like building something. And I certainly learned the hard way that, you know, being a thief was not bu- building anything for anybody. Um, and that's when I, I guess I started building something for myself like i guess for and i want i know that you got busted for shoplifting mm-hmm. i want to ask about that in a second but like for me i think i always i grew up thinking that you should be nice and agreeable and people pleasing and sort of defer to people who know better and that is something that i have carried with me for a long time and it's only i would say like in the last three months or something that i'm real i mean that's an exaggeration but i'm realizing just how much in certain situations that doesn't work because mm-hmm. you re- there are situations where you really need to look out for yourself because the people around you don't necessarily have your best interest at heart. And so this thing of always being like, she's so easy to get along with. isn't always the best. Mm-hmm. But I, th- and I think that's a, th- a thing that I was, I don't know if I was told to, but it's just like, it never occurred to me. There's another way to be yeah. because the other way to be is to be a bitch. And I don't want to be that. Mm-mm. It's like a, fi- it's really like a, a fine line. And sometimes you go over the edge and you're too, you know, selfish or defensive or, skeptical of other people and then there's other times where you know you just want to get something done you're not gonna you know i mean for me it's like i can swing both ways like pretty pretty severely (laughs) and i just like yeah you just do your best and know that there's always going to be times where you might have gone overboard but at the very least like you're protecting yourself and um 
Yeah. And that comes with experience that comes with, you know, knowing that you could have done something better before and realizing like, Hey, someone else got a better deal or I didn't ask for enough. You don't get what you don't ask for. And there's nothing bitchy about that. That's just the way the world works. And Mm -hmm. I've gotten so much stuff just by like hassling people or, you know, ask asking. And see, I think that I had this idea that you get stuff by being nice and not asking for it. And so it's like this whole shit to realize that doesn't really work. I don't know if there ever I'm was sure a time. Where, I mean, it works, but yeah, it does work. It, it's a, it, in certain situations it works, but I do think you're right that asking for what you want mm-hmm. is probably a faster way to get there. It is, you know, and then there's places where, you know, like in, I mean, I don't want to talk a lot about relationships, but in relationships, sometimes asking for you what you want is like oh, too much. And then yeah. sometimes you should wait and just be patient and like let things take their course. And, you know, it's like it it's really it's not so, so binary. I mean, yeah, I guess as like all the things. Are. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I guess it, it is in business. Kind of it's a lot, yeah. In business, it's a lot easier to, um, you know, with friendships and relationships. It's really different. Mm hmm. Are you more comfortable in business than friendships, relationships? I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I think I'm a. I, I think I'm a really good friend. <laughs> um, I think I'm like formal, like in in that way. I'm like it's a birthday. I'm doing something. Like I love celebrating someone else's birthday because I think it's like super lame to have to throw yourself a party. You know, I've done it. <laughs> you know, um, just like when you have an opportunity to celebrate other people, like I, I really try to do it. Um, I don't know. I just think they're different, and I think. Uh, you know, having had so much success in business, I definitely do have to watch myself and that the mechanisms that work in business aren't things that I try to apply to relationships because that's not how it works. Like it, like what? I don't know. Just like how you get what you want. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, it's just, it's different when there's like a cut and dry, this is business. I mean, but in business there's friendships and I know I feel like I keep talking myself out of everything, (laughs) every statement that I make, but it's true. Um, you know, business is a lot more cut and dry. Um, friendships are, are fluid and require a lot more patience. It's, you know, you don't just like cut friends out of your life um, the way, you know, if if some if not actually working with somebody, you probably just don't talk, right. talk to them, you know? Right. You don't that declare just friendship yeah. bankruptcy. No. Um, okay. So you got busted for shoplifting. How mm-hmm. did that happen? I, I pushed a whole shopping cart out of a Fred Meyer in Portland. And got chased by a like plain clothes guy um, who was like, excuse me, I don't know. Basically, he made off with my purse and I was dumb enough to have my ID in it. But I got away and then but he had my ID and I was just like, oh, I'm not going to. This is like how. Um, what's that word? This is like how. I guess take charge is not the word I was looking for, but I am, I'm not going to wait for the cops to show up on my doorstep. Like I'm going to go back and present myself. I'm like, and I went back in to the store and was like, hi, I need to talk to your loss prevention people. They know who I am. Cause this guy had my ID. So I just had to go like, kind of like turn myself in and then they counted everything up and I had like a basketball and a George Foreman grill and like shower curtain rings and tampons and really nice shampoo and, uh, um, yeah, that sucked. And then I, yeah, I got arrested and I don't know. Um, did you end up going to jail or anything? I actually didn't. They like arrested me on paper, but I have been to jail for 
other reasons. Oh, what have you been to jail for? I don't talk about it. You don't? No. You talked about it a tiny bit. It just, it just like, it disappeared. I have like a guardian angel or I'm just white. I'm not sure. Uh, it just disappeared. Like things just disappear. All right. Let me ask this. How did your jail time compare to Orange is the New Black? Because that's my frame of reference. Um, it was, it seemed grosser. It seemed way grosser. Um, there was like peanut butter on the ceiling. So people were like, they would like serve peanut butter sandwiches or something. And just out of spite, like people would just throw it at the ceiling. It would stick there and like rot and stink. And it was co-ed. So it was like, you know, some guy through like a little window across the hall sticking his tongue out at me just being like, yeah. ah. I wasn't there for very long. Were you scared? No. I was just, Do dis- you get I was disappointed with myself and took full responsibility. Do I get scared? Yeah, all the time. What kind of things scare you? I'm talking about jail and podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, it scares me. Change, the unknown, the future. Um, chips cutting the top of my mouth. Um <sighs> What is yeah. the what is the worst offender chip wise? I'm gonna um, say like a mission tortilla chip. Yeah, total tortilla chip. Yeah, yeah. only tortilla chips. Yeah, I was gonna go with Doritos because they seem heavier than mm-hmm. regular tortilla mm-hmm. chips, and they're they never break and they're super well. They're triangular. also they're like loaded loaded with poison, so you like cut your mouth and then it implants the, right. all that weird yeah. dust on in your in your cut and like then, a poison dart. Yeah, chip. totally. <laughs> They're they're natural chip predators. That's how they that's how they stay alive in the wild with their poison. Um, okay, so got busted for choplifting, um, and you started. Had, were you always into fashion? I was into style. Like I always was kind of flamboyant and oddly dressed. Um, there was like a normal phase where I really did try to fit in, but it just wasn't. You know, I was such a weird personality and making poop jokes in like high school or whatever that um, yeah, I just didn't really vibe with like Abercrombie and Fitch. So <laughs> um, yeah, I was always really into style. I always loved thrifting from like a very early age. Um, so I feel like I wound up in 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 I wound up in fashion accidentally, you know, mm-hmm. just through having loving vintage clothing. And so you started selling selling vintage finds, um, yeah. or just retro start, things yeah, on I, eBay. I started selling vintage on eBay. I you know opened up an eBay store and got you know had a laptop and a digital camera and just gave it a shot and found some friends to model the clothes and, and it sounds like what you did that a lot of other people weren't doing and and perhaps part of your overwhelming success with this was you were making kind of a lifestyle out of it and like really expertly i'm not sure how where you were at the time that's what you're doing but like yeah. expertly marketing it like making the dis- you know very careful with the descriptions and the photos totally. were beautiful and yeah. very expertly styled by the, you the voice was always really specific the style of the photography and the styling and the girl and her attitude and where she was going and she looked like she could be your friend and you know when you're buying something online you have to be able to project yourself into this lifestyle and see yourself in the clothes and as approachable as you can be without being a clown like I wanted these girls to be. They weren't really stiff models who were, you know, rail thin and unhappy. You found um, them on MySpace mostly, right? I found a lot of them on MySpace. They were just like, it was just like, do you want some pictures for your portfolio or do you want some new MySpace pictures? And it was just <laughs> exciting for them to model for this eBay store and have some pictures and, you know, a lot of them have gotten signed to agencies you know, since then and um, yeah, it was it was super rinky-dink. I mean, it it was just me and a camera and you know, my step aunt's pool house. I think I paid $500 a month rent and did that for, 
you know, a year and a half before I launched the website. And when I left eBay, you know, the average auction price was like $150. And that was for stuff that I was buying for like five, 10, $15. And so it was just pure cash flow, you know, but there was no overhead that changes when you, when you hire people. And what made you decide to leave eBay? I felt like I had a brand and I was driving a lot of traffic to eBay from MySpace, which I used, you know, I I just added like every person on MySpace and just built this huge following. So I felt like I was sending a lot of traffic to eBay, which is a place where, yes, there's a built in audience, but at the same time, you can scroll to the bottom of any eBay listing and find like competing items. And Mm. it's like, you may also like from these sellers. And it's like, why would I send my customers to other people's stores? Also, it became a really catty environment so it's like there's an ebay seller community and vintage is just this thing where you know you can get something from like the 80s and you know a golden girls like anorak and call it vintage or you can get something that's really like a you know museum piece and there's women you know i guess and men who are real purists about vintage and if i sold like a you know polyester dress that i had hemmed like how dare i you know it was like uh it was like i was committing like a sin and so they just like you know they just like rag on me and other sellers other ebay sellers who are selling more trend driven items mm-hmm. for not like you know because they're like 1950s dirndl was just not moving <laughs> so um so that got annoying and and yeah i just at the end of the day it was just like time it was time to to launch the website and you know it was a time where there was no squarespace like it wasn't that easy to put a uh, an online store together and I designed it in Photoshop and had someone slice up the PSD and, you know, um, program it into a shopping cart. And, um, it was a lot of work, but, um, I was lucky that, you know, the, my, my customers followed me, um, from MySpace and there was a little bit of press. I had no idea like what that was, you know, I was just like, Oh my God, who, what, where talked about us today? Mm -hmm. We just launched. And I mean, I sold out the store the day it opened and that was really exciting, but it was also just terrifying because when you have auctions on eBay, you have 10 days that they sit there and like accumulate bids. So you have 10 days where you don't have to ship anything. When you launch a website and something sells, you have to ship it. So the whole website sold out at the same time, totally unexpectedly. And then I had to like get more stuff on the site while I was shipping things, answering, you know, it's such a ripple effect to not have that 10 day period. And it was a, it was a really big, big change. Um, at that point where you like, I, this is what I'm going to do with my life. I'm an online retailer. No, I'm a, like, no. what my mom thinking? was like, you need to go back to community college. <laughs> Um, no, I was just like, this is really cool. Like maybe there can be, there maybe there's something here, but I, you know, I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't know what a CEO was. I didn't know what a cash flow was. I didn't, I don't think the company, I don't even know if we were incorporated. I think I incorporated on legal zoom, like in like right around the time mm-hmm. I launched the website. Um, no, I mean, had someone else shown me the future, I might have built. Be- I still wouldn't have even believed them, but I'd never even gotten a glimpse of what the world looked like. You know, mm. my last job was a lobby. Like, <laughs> so what was your lobby job? I was just checking student IDs at oh. an art school. So at a certain point, you moved down to LA because this is where LA yeah. was where you were going to buy the clothing, I was right? Coming down here a lot to buy vintage, to cast models and fly them up. And now we're flying girls out from New York. Um, but 
Yeah, I was down in LA a lot. There was, there's like a whole community of creatives here that's very different from the Bay Area. The Bay Area is really conservative. It's like Gap and Williams-Sonoma and Apple. So anyone who's doing like art direction or anything like that, it's just very clean and minimal and conservative. And Nasty right. Gal is quite the opposite. Um, and it was just time. It was just time to get out of the Bay Area. So I moved to LA about five and a half years ago. And at a certain point, you opened up actual brick and mortar stores. We did, yeah. Our first one opened almost two years ago. And um, but also at a certain point, you stepped. Like, what is your role with the company now? Yeah, so a year and a half ago, I, I was just the de facto, like, CEO, um, president, you know, whatever. I, I had every title at one point just by the sheer nature of having founded the company. That, those aren't things that I'm attached to. Um, I think if it wasn't my choice, I might have been like, I really want to be the CEO. But I was like, I had a ton of people reporting to me. My day was just in meetings about keeping people on track for their deliverables and not creative. Like management. And yeah, total management. And there's people that have a whole lifetime of, of that experience and, and leading people and communicating and all that stuff. And I just was starting to, it was, you know, the one time I was just not stretching to meet what I know the demand was. I've used the company as an opportunity to learn all the things I would have learned if I had finished college or had siblings and learned to share or <laughs> whatever it is that like I haven't learned. I just was like, all right, this is what I need to be learning. And that was the one, it was just, it finally got to a point where I was like, okay, enough with like the martyrdom. Like I don't want to do that job anymore. And so I found someone who's just amazing. She's our CEO. Her name's Sherry Watterson. Um, she spent five and a half years at Lululemon as their chief product officer. And um, so she's been our CEO for a year and a half. And since then I've, yeah, I guess I've done a bunch of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> What's your involvement with Nasty Gal though at this point? I'm in the office most days. Um, it just depends if I'm traveling. There's just so much stuff that takes me like out of the office now, like what we're doing now and, <laughs> um, you know, writing a book I can really only focus on at home. And then there's a whole show shooting like in Hollywood and I'm executive producing that. And I do the podcast in our offices. So that keeps me there. Um, but I'm I'm mostly working with like bigger projects um, at the board level and then on like any marketing and creative initiatives. That's really where I play. Mm -hmm. That's where I spend most of my time at SEO. Um, so can you talk about the decision to open up the actual stores? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, the companies that have gotten really big online are companies that are competing on delivery. So they're like Amazon, um, Zappos, you know, it's, they're just selling everything under the sun and they're going to get it to you faster and cheaper than anybody else. And that was never our MO. And we don't want to have everything under the sun. We're a brand and we're focused and we're curated and there's a personality. So to be able to, um, to present that in a, in a retail, um, you know, setting where, um, our girl can interact with, um, the salespeople and try things on and hear music while they're shopping and just experience the brand in real life was really important. It's also another growth channel. So our Melrose store is just amazing. We have one on the promenade in Santa Monica as well. Um, and it's just been a really great learning and, um, we don't have any more stores like planned at the moment, like to announce, but I think stores will be a really big part of our future. Mm. And the book, Girl Boss, mm -hmm. um, 
What is a girl boss? What's a girl boss? A girl boss is someone who's in charge of her life. So um, someone who, you know, like I said earlier, is choosing her life instead of letting it choose her. I think there's a little bit of like serendipity that you do have to like ride in life. But I'm constantly asking myself, am I doing this because I was doing yesterday? Am I doing it because I still want to? You know, there's no better time in a relationship than when like the doorbell's like, ding dong, I chose to see you today. Mm. Rather than like, like here we are. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And, and so I'm constantly like taking everything down to ground zero and being like, is this still what it was? You know? And if it's not, do I still want it? Is this still right? Am I still learning things? Am I being challenged? Um, and so, you know, we have something on, on my podcast, girl boss radio that we, that's called girl boss moments. And it's just that time in your week where you felt like you owned your life. And for some people that's drawing a bubble bath and for other people that's getting promoted or, um, you know, finishing a, a, a homework assignment for school. It can be anything, but it's some, it's what you're, it's what you're proud of. And, what you're proud of for yourself, not because it's vain or because it's what you're supposed to be doing. Like you're really nurturing your life. And Mm -hmm. so I think if that's your MO, you're a girl boss. Um, And that's, you know, it's a lot, it lives in like the inspirational space a lot more than like the political or dogmatic. Like I can't tell you exactly what a girl boss is because it's something we all have to define for ourselves. Um, What are some girl boss moments that stand out to you for you? Wow. Um, I mean, there's like a listener who got their PhD. Oh, no, I mean yours. Oh, mine. Yeah. Okay. Um, gosh. Oh, gosh. Um, I mean, the cover of Forbes is bonkers. I mean, the first one is making your parents proud. I think the second one is buying my own car. You know, another one is being able to be generous with friends and like take a friend on a trip or just be generous, entertain, buy the oysters, right? Mm. Um, that is like so awesome to be able to do. Um, uh, girl boss moments. I mean, I think anytime I hear from someone that, I mean, my, my just storytelling, you know, that like I'm able to share other people's stories um, through my podcast as you do with yours um, that make other people feel more capable in the world just by storytelling. And then they thank you. It's yeah. like I didn't do anything. <laughs> you did everything in your life. But to be like a spark in the corner that like fires off something that totally already exists in somebody is so rewarding. Mm. I mean, that's really kind of, that's why I enjoy, um, you know, what I do, but I would say, you know, becoming an author or, uh, and sometimes just like keeping your sanity (laughs) or dropping out, you know, and, and taking time for yourself. I mean, uh, and yeah, in many ways, anything can be a girl boss moment. It's like, it's, it's, it's slightly selfish. <laughs> um, let's talk about keeping your sanity okay. for a moment. Mm-hmm. Two part question. Uh, what kinds of things do you do to keep your sanity a and B and you can answer these in any order. Um, when you feel like you are losing your sanity, what happens? Like, do you get depressed? Do you get manic? Mm-hmm. Do you, what, what do, how do, you, do, to what do you tend to, to do? Keep my sanity. I exercise. I, um, I don't drink too much. I discovered Mezcal recently. So, and there's like no hangover and it doesn't like have a bunch of calories in it and it's just like magic, but I I don't even know what Mezcal is. It's like tequila, but smokier. It's Mm -hmm. like the same plant and it has no calories. 
Not really. Wow. I mean, I'm such a wino, but I have had to stop because it's just like my face blows up and I'm hung over after like yeah. two glasses. And so I think like limiting my alcohol consumption, exercise, um, surrounding myself with fr- the friends who really know me um, and uh, hanging out with my dogs, you know, nurturing like your life, watering the plant. That's mm-hmm. your life. And that isn't just work. That is like all of those things. I don't know if I completely believe in balance, but I do think that we have to take time for our lives outside of work, which is something that took me a really long time to learn. Um, well, especially because I would imagine and tell me if I'm right, your work is kind of like addictive because like success your success is like i would imagine like an ebay auction like oh my god tweak out yes that's what i'm saying totally tweak so i would imagine it'd be easy to like ignore everything and just dive into the work it's with anything especially anything digital you know it's like you can you can respond to every tweet or um or you don't and you have a life and you're like you know if you did respond to every tweet you'd have a totally you know you're marketing yourself like the, the internet never sleeps so it's a really dangerous thing um, and then regardless of the internet, when you have like enough projects going on, like just nothing sleeps. And right. So yeah, sleep, I guess that's <laughs> another one is just, I need eight hours. If I get seven, I feel pretty different. Um, so I try to sleep eight hours. I mean, those are the big ones. They're pretty like normal. You know, it's like I have the most, I mean, if I had an online dating profile, it would be the most boring one. <laughs> it's like, um, I like exercise. <laughs> when you. Sunlight. <laughs> when you feel like you need to put more time into sanity. Mm-hmm. Like what do you, what is it that you're feeling that makes you realize like, Oh, I'm neglecting things. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll just, I'll wake up hungover <laughs> or I will just stop. I won't be fulfilling obligations. I really like to fulfill my obligations. Um, I like to keep the, my promises. Um, is that your question? Well, do you get depressed? Do you get anxious? Yeah, I do. I do. Um, so I usually just kind of like ask friends for advice a lot. I just kind of like spray, (laughs) um, you know, questions in every direction and, um, and, and see what comes back. And sometimes, you know, I think as an only child, you, you know, there's some amount of like external kind of like you have to bounce things off. You know, it's like you, I've developed this internal, uh, um, you know, I don't know what the word is, uh, judge, mm-hmm. but I also just like, I love seeking advice and I'm never too proud to like ask a question. Do you, that's interesting. Um, do you trust yourself more than other people though? Like, cause I would think as an entrepreneur, you would have, even if you're getting advice and mm-hmm. input from a bunch of people, you would have to know which voices to filter out. Totally. I mean, it really depends. Do I, on, in general, do I trust myself more than other people? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, in business, it depends on what it is. There's people that have way more experience than me and there's no, I mean, the learning curve is just way too steep for me to even begin to like walk up it. So you have to operate on limited information and you just do your best, um, you know, choosing people who have more experience than you and, you know, try to hold them accountable. But that's even that's really challenging. Mm. So let's talk about the TV show. Okay. Um, tell me about it. Okay. So I wrote this book called Girl Boss two years ago. It was a New York Times bestseller. And then 
Charlize Theron got a hold of it and was like, let's make a show on Netflix or let's just make a show. We took it to Netflix, but we took Kay Cannon with us, who's the creator and the showrunner who wrote Pitch Perfect and Pitch Perfect 2 and wrote on 30 Rock Forever and she's amazing. And so it's just this group of awesome women that have come together to put the show together and they cast Britt Robertson as as me so it's like it's it's a scripted comedy it's a 30 minute scripted comedy about your life about my life that's um set in 2006 and in San Francisco they're up shooting it in San Francisco right now and um it's really funny and I can't wait to watch it it'll be on Netflix sometime in 2017 um but yeah that's it's pretty trippy that must be surreal it's totally surreal it's something you don't say no to you're you're like (laughs) yeah yeah, it's like I get one life. Like if you want to make a joke out of mine, like I'm all for it. Like it's already funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How involved are you? Um, I'm an executive producer. Um, and you know, I'm not like a writing executive producer. Um, I'm consulting on everything from wardrobe to um locations and the authenticity of the dive bar that they choose. And um <laughs> and are you trying to make it as close to your life as possible? Because I would imagine like if it were me, I think I would be tempted to be like, Oh no, I didn't say it that exactly didn't like happen. that. Yeah, I thought it and would be I, like that, but I feel like I've worked on teams enough to know now that it's just like there's like a certain point where you have to let go. Right. Um, um, and it's a comedy. It's not a drama. I'm not a murderer. I, nothing like insane is going to happen. <laughs> I might be more whiny on the show than I am in real life. I don't know. Um, but you just kind of have to ride with that stuff. It's funny. And if people don't know how to disaggregate reality from like, you know, an adaptation of something, then that's fine. It's just makes more interesting, like shit for me to weed through. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, you know, it's just, it's, I have no idea what it's going to be like once this show comes out. And, mm-hmm. and, but I do think it's going to be pretty funny. And did you, pardon me if you did say this, when does it premiere? Probably mid next year is my guess. Okay. Um, I don't know exactly. I wanted to ask you, I think it was in your book that you said that you don't really listen to no. If someone says no. Well, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think no is... I mean, I'm not like a rapist or anything. It depends on the situation. (laughs) But in general, in business, if someone says no, I'm like, awesome, you know, bring it on. Like now I need to go reassess and like reverse engineer or figure out how to appeal to what it is that they need or, um, yeah, shift what I'm doing. So that becomes a yes or maybe... Maybe I didn't want it. So thank you for saying Mm -hmm. no. Maybe that is okay. But I rejected it. (laughs) Um, I, you know, eventually, of course, there are no's and you move on. But um, I just, I always want to know that I've exhausted everything I possibly can before I give up on something. Yeah, I guess what I'm wondering is how do you... um, I think the specific story you were talking about was approaching... I wish I could remember which brand it was to see if they wanted to oh, partner Jeffrey with... Campbell shoes. Yes. And they said no. And then you like, were like, uh, uh, no way. Like this can't be, you know, like this is too good to be true. We are made to be together. Let me show you like this little write up on nylon magazine or, um, let me show you the website. Look, it's cool. And I can make you cooler. I'm not really a salesperson, mm-hmm. but when you want something bad enough, like sometimes that just switches on. Right. If you believe in something. Um, yeah, I guess that's what I'm wondering is how in the face of rejection you always or have you always been able to maintain that belief in yourself? Because I and like a fair amount of people I've interviewed 
occasionally have just imposter syndrome where mm. it's like if someone I, says oh, yeah. no, it's like, okay, I guess I'm not good then. You still do have imposter syndrome. You just like keep going. Your mm. survival depends on it. Your growth depends on it. Your future depends on it. Um, you know, your legacy depends on it. Like those are, those are, that's what's at stake. You know, it's never the one thing. It's that you can look back and say, I did everything that I could. Right. Oh, that's so interesting. Have you always felt that way? I don't know. That just sounded really good, but I don't think I've ever <laughs> thought that before. So, um, <laughs> I think so. Maybe. I mean, yeah. have you ever, have you ever gotten to know where your, your instinct is to just kind of like curl into a, a ball and be like, okay, but you have to push through it. Or are you I mean, always if Vogue magazine is like, no, like I'm not going to call Anna Wintour, <laughs> you know, it's just like, there's things you don't do. So I don't, I, it's not like I ignore every okay. no. So it sounds like the only no's that it sounds like if you get a no and you're like, but that's the wrong answer, then you'll be, I wasn't charming enough. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also, you have an interesting view of success and failure. Yeah. In that failure is a part of success. I mean, I think success is just being proud of whatever it is that you've created. Um, because I've created things that I've done things that I'm, I'm not proud of, but other people are proud of. Is that success? Like that was not my goal, hmm. you know, like what? but I mean, I'm, I'm proud of all the things that have happened, but do I wake up like thinking I was on the cover of Forbes magazine and thus, thus I am like a different person than I was before I was on the cover of Forbes magazine? No, no. If anything, it just like makes noise culturally for me mm-hmm. and like socially. And, um, it's a huge moment and I have responsibility to other women and, f- you know, for female entrepreneurs and don't get me wrong, but you know, I don't, I don't really like toot my own horn about it. I think you just have to, um, focus on like on who you are and what you think is great about you. For me, I think it's like, I, I can armpit fart or like whatever, <laughs> you know, it's not the things that like the rest of the world thinks about you. If, if there is a world looking at you, just have to take one moment do you to want say me to, to Jeff, armpit fart. Just yeah. Go. Actually, yes. But how crazy is it that arm? this is the second time armpit farts have come up like in a matter of, oh my God! And this is now the second time people have fake farted on this show. Like recently? Yeah, because we had Dave yeah, Coulier within, from Okay, yeah, I listened to Fuller House. Oh, did yeah. he? I, wow. Yeah, he did uh, the whole thing. He's, uh, he's quite, a celebrity quite a fart. Yeah. I love that I have something in common with that guy. <laughs> yep. <laughs> what if this is the new thing on the show? I so want it to be. Okay. I wouldn't say no. Do I get a clap? <laughs> 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 wow the crowd goes wild i was listening Pete, to you your girl boss um radio episode with the woman who created poopery oh yeah and you're talking about how into like fart jokes and things you are and i am too and really jokes. yeah cool i have like a seventh grade yeah, boy i feel like there's not very many girls or yeah. anyone just period i think they're like you're like right you're, i feel bad for you it's come People on just don't relate. you can't laugh at that Come on. I mean, I don't like just funny. I don't like go poop and then look at the toilet and laugh. But if somebody makes a fart noise, I have a trick on photo shoots. Mm -hmm. If I want a genuine, you can't get a genuine smile out of me. It's just like, I don't like wake up and walk around the world smiling. I really wish I was that person. (laughs) So if you want like my eyes to light up and you want like a smile that I can like hold for like five minutes, someone on the photo shoot has to like, (laughs) like they have to. And exactly. See, your eyes are lit up and you just hold it. You just hold it and you're like, You're like, yeah, yeah, I'm really, this is me. (laughs) No one ever knows. Yeah. We, um, it's come up on the show before people who think that, 
uh, couples should never fart in front of each other. Oh I God, kind I of agree, really? but I but I farted in every relationship. I pooped <laughs> with doors open. Like I, yeah, it's a slippery slope to becoming bros, and I've that's happened to me. Um, so I, yeah, I mean, I don't have any rules. Everybody farts, but I try not to like be gratuitous about it or like show offy, which I could totally do. <laughs> you know. Clearly. Uh, and you should be proud of thank it. Thank you. I just farted with two different parts of my body I on this know. podcast. One Show offy like, because like my husband, I don't think he'd appreciate this, but I don't care. He'll sometimes like stand up and then like do this like arm gesture and like stick the landing. Wow. Like, that kind of show off you mean? Yeah, or, totally. Okay. Yeah. That, or just like a raising like a cheek. Sounds like show off. Yeah. yeah. Anything. Just like looking at the other person and like <laughs> being like, shh. And then doing, you know, it's like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, almost all farting is showing off at a certain point. Otherwise you're embarrassed. Like, That's I don't know. True. There's no real middle ground. That's true. <laughs> you got to own it. Yeah. If, if my farts are audible, I begin giggling to the point where like I can barely breathe, but I think it is born of embarrassment, but also just being super entertained. <laughs> oh my God. That wasn't me. Um, I think the worst thing is like when you're jumping rope, like oh, I'll be boy. like with my trainer and be like hop 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 and i'll be like oh i don't want to and then i don't know yeah Whatever. i i have mentioned this story before but um <laughs> when i was in like third grade we were doing gymnastics in school and i was just not good at it so my mom like got me a gymnastics lesson just uh-huh. a little extra gymnastics tutoring and it was just this guy at the local high school and I was not a particularly flatulent kid, entertained by farts, but it mm-hmm. wasn't like I had a real fart problem or anything. But <laughs> on this day, every time I did a somersault or a backbend Whoa. or anything, it was like, oh, just constant. Funny. In the, in yeah, there's like days a like that. Teenage boy with his face pretty near my butt. I was awful. Oh my god! But Have you funny. ever heard anyone fart in yoga? Do you ever go to yoga? I've, I've heard only some gone yoga farts once, and I haven't. And I don't think I heard anything. People are like so zen, and then yeah. they just like own it. They're just like. <laughs> How do you oh not God. laugh? Um, I do. Okay. Just like I snicker through my nose. <laughs> <laughs> One time I was talking to a professor in college and she was telling me about some assignment. It was after class. And she just was like, oh, excuse me. And then kept going. Oh, my God. I, <laughs> all my friends in college know this story because they knew her. I, it was like white noise after that moment because I was just, just like, trying not to womp, laugh. Womp, she was womp, womp, so... She was like, she had like evolved, her PhD allowed her to evolve beyond thinking farts are anything other than purely natural. She was also uh-huh. like a very crunchy woman anyway. Oh, wow. It was total just, oh my excuse God. Excuse me. As if, as if <laughs> like, she had like, like a little throat noise happened or yeah. something, but it was a butt noise. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think blowing your nose in public is just about as gross as farting. Honestly, you're like vo- violently expelling something from your face in public. And, and I'm not even like squeamish. Yeah. But there, I don't know what it is about nose blowing in restaurants, especially. I'm just That's like, pretty gross. Because <sighs> there's like, a, yeah, you can hear it all happening. And also, I feel like if you try to do the demure public nose blow, that doesn't take care of whatever situation made you need to blow your nose. You're still sick. Go, and, go and home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's do. <laughs> Jeff has an array of disgusting sounds. <laughs> <laughs> and the listeners always let us know when he plays them. Um, let's do just me or everyone. 
But first, sometimes I ponder on something I have thought or done. Is it just me or everyone? You're really, you're really finding time. the line of when you think I'm gonna pause and when I'm waiting for a pause. I and know. I just... I'm sorry. I, that was that was on me. I didn't dance. <laughs> you, hopped okay. a, you hopped a little. <laughs> a though. little bit. First, I want to say I will be doing my podcast at the LA Podcast Festival September 24th at noon. So LAPodfest.com is where you go for tickets. Let's say you can't be there in person. Don't even worry because you can get a ticket to the live stream and you can stream the entire festival from the comfort of your own home, wherever that might be. You don't even have to be home. You could be in line somewhere streaming the festival. How fun. Uh, again, go to LAPodfest.com for live stream tickets as well and use the promo code ROSEN and you will get a discount. Also, I am on Patreon. Patreon is a place you can go to support artists on a monthly recurring basis. All sorts of great rewards and bonuses. Patreon.com slash Allison Rosen. There are different tiers and there's bonus episodes. Uh, no question off limits bonus episodes where I speak very candidly and openly about stuff. Also, there's an exclusive live stream, all sorts of fun stuff. Patreon.com slash Allison Rosen. Hey, if you're going to buy something on Amazon, which you are, they have everything. Click through the banner on my website, AllisonRosen.com. doesn't cost you anything extra and it helps out the show. I want to thank you guys for all the Amazon support. And if you like what you're hearing, subscribe. iTunes.com slash Allison Rosen. Also, Also, I want to talk to you guys about Blue Apron. I don't know if you're familiar with them or not, but Blue Apron, so delicious, so convenient, such a time saver. Um, Blue Apron sends you everything you need in a box to make a delicious, healthy, gourmet meal. Um, All the ingredients are perfectly proportioned already, so you don't have to do that thing where you you look up a recipe and you go to the store and you buy too much of this or not enough of that, and then you have leftover chervil, let's say. And I don't even know what that is, but it's a thing. So what I'm saying is Blue Apron takes all the guesswork out of cooking and the meals are so good and they're really fun to make too. And let's not forget, less than $10 per meal. So that's a, it's quite a selling point. So for less than $10 per meal, Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes along with pre-portioned ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals, whether it's Japanese ramen noodles, wild-caught Alaskan salmon, or heirloom tomatoes. Blue Apron is bringing you the best. Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash Allison. You'll love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron, so don't wait. That's blueapron.com slash Allison, blueapron.com slash Allison. And if you guys do go there and you make, oh, and I, I also, I think I forgot to mention one of my favorite parts of Blue Apron. Um, every time you get a box of ingredients, of course, you also get this great like heavy cardstock recipe card, which you'll want to keep and save. And there's all these pictures of every step um, along the way when you make the meal. So whether you're a really accomplished chef or just an amateur in the kitchen, it, they make it very easy. So if you make something on Blue Apron, send me a photo because I'm, I'm into that. Okay. So just me or everyone is where people write in with things they think or do and they wonder, is it just me or everyone? And we mm-hmm. say whether we also do them. Jennifer Sixth says, the only effective alarm clock is several glasses of water before bed. Well, if I drink a lot before bed, I will be getting up, but it won't be in the morning. It'll be like half an hour later. Yeah, that is like an alarm clock that you cannot control. Yes. That's just you. Yeah. 
I think it might be just you. Um, but maybe she's just saying that her alarm clocks don't work. Mine, do you have the, I have this thing where Sounds if there's. Like she lives in a tent. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm worried about whatever it is that I have to get up for, I probably won't even need the alarm to get me up because I will be constantly waking up afraid I'm sleeping through my alarm. Yeah, I never sleep well when I know there's an alarm that's at like getting me 545 up. Yeah, at a or crazy something. hour. Yeah. No, it's like the sleep. stress of like the impending like noise that's about yes. to come and you're like, I only have an hour, F it. I'm just gonna like stare at my phone until I drop it on my face. Yeah. First. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Night Cloud says, A limp handshake bothers me, and that's about the only manly attribute I have. So I'm assuming his manly attribute is a firm handshake. Um, yeah, I don't think anyone appreciates a limp handshake. Nope. Nope. And if they do, they don't count. Yep. Okay. There you go. Everyone. Everyone that counts. It's been decided. <laughs> um, JMOs for A-Rose says, after going to bed with a cold, first thought every morning is I'm still stuffy until one day, holy crap, it's gone. It is weird. We were talking about binary things earlier. Colds are pretty binary. Like that either is, you have one or you don't. Just like the most boring. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I'm, okay. I, I think I'm allowed to insult your listeners, but I'm not. Think, <laughs> I know you're. What? I don't know. I don't even think about that. You must have a lot of colds. Well, I think just me or everyone encourages people to think about things they don't normally think about. Yeah. Yeah. No. Sometimes colds actually kind of dissipate, right? You like get worse at night, and then yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I used to be the on-off cold guy. It would be nothing. Then I was knocked on my feet for two days, and then I was fine. And now it's like I get sick in slow motion now. It's totally. like It's crazy. It takes two weeks, and every day I wake up, and I go, am I sick? Am I not? And then... I mean, yeah, a glass just, of wine whatever. can make me think I'm getting sick. Yeah. I mean, at this point, like adulthood. Pregnancy makes you very runny. And someone actually just wrote in to say it's the extra estrogen. I don't know. I guess. Hmm. My head is felt full of snot. I I don't know why why I'm looking looking at at you. (laughs) (laughs) She wants confirmation. I don't know. What's it like? Dana says. That's never happened to me. I can say that. (laughs) Dana says, use my flat iron to iron my clothes. It's already hot and I'm not even sure I own a clothes iron. I've never even thought of that. Does that work? Have you ever done that? How is that something that everyone could have in common or not? But. I've never done that. I've used well, an iron to an iron to iron my hair, but I've never used a flat iron to iron my clothes. I feel like you could only maybe do your sleeve. Yeah, right. Because how could you get it? You must be tiny. <laughs> <laughs> you could use it for doll. Are clothes. you a paper doll? <laughs> how did the ironing of your head hair go? I know that's how they used to straighten hair in the old yeah, days. Yeah, it's just like I was like a you know little kid. I don't know. It it, it kind of might have smelled sometimes. I think you get like a line across the top. You can't get it that close right. to your scalp. Right. Um, okay. Flash Dabbles says, oh, this is uh, this is apropos of our conversation about discussing silverfish the other day. Mm. They're House, everywhere. They are. Right now they're everywhere. Yeah. House centipedes gross me out way more than silverfish. Look them up. They make me want to light my own house on fire. I think this is regional because I did not have silverfish when I lived in Brooklyn, but I did have these. I, I thought they're, I don't know if they're house centipedes or millipedes. I know a friend of mine was like, it's like an eyebrow running across your wall. Uh, that's do cute. you, do you know what we're that talking about? Sound cute. Yeah. They're all over my they're, house right now. Oh really? So they do have them this out here. Year's totally different. I feel like, I mean, I'm in the Hills and they're just, they're like running wild in my home. So they, so it, they are talking about the bugs that do look like an eyebrow scurrying across yes, your wall. They're, they're disgusting. They're like hairy and feathery. But you're definitely and- alone in wanting to burn your own house down. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Okay, JMOs for A-Rose says, can't wait for a package to arrive. Once it shows up, leave the box unopened until I need what's inside. Yeah, I'm terrible. I mean, there's like a mountain of boxes here. I'm terrible about opening boxes. I don't I know why. I think that's fair. You open it up and you're like, oh, I got something. And then you're like, meh. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Johnny Pomato says, keep a spare pillow at the foot of the bed in case I need emergency cool side of the pillow in the middle of the night. Daniel does this is to the side of the bed. I don't do hmm. this. That's like really strategic. I'm like, I'm, I'm lucky if I get, my head gets near a pillow. I'm just like all over the place. Are you a messy sleeper? I think I might be. Like pooping. Just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Do you wake up in a tangle of sheets and stuff? I do in my neck sideways and I don't really understand. Yeah. I never learned how to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> and lastly, Johnny Pomato says, sometimes prefer pretzels, chips, and popcorn to be ever so slightly stale. Yeah, I could, I can see that. There's certain items. Popcorn, no. I don't think stale popcorn. If is you're what you trying want. to drown out the noise of everyday life, <laughs> that might work. But otherwise, otherwise, no. You're alone. Yeah. <laughs> well, Sophia, it was so much fun having you on the show. Thank you for having me. Um, what Thank did you. we miss? Well, well, uh, Nasty Galaxy coming Nasty out in Galaxy October. Is out October fourth. You can order it on Amazon. What's Nasty it? Gal? What's it like? It's linen, uh, right? It's pretty. It's 10 by 10. It's like a coffee table book. It's really beautiful. Lots of colors and illustrations. Colors, excuse me. <laughs> Lots of photos and illustrations. It's very colorful. Um, everything from how-tos to essays to interviews with different women who I consider girl bosses. Uh, Courtney Love wrote the foreword. Oh, that's cool. Um, it's super pretty. Um, and then you can find me at girlboss.com or on Girlboss Radio. Something that I liked that I saw in your book, I think it was your book, that you were saying don't have idols don't have heroes which that sort of appealed to me because i'm someone when someone says who is your hero i'm always like Ugh, i don't know i'm sure that it's i appreciate like, people though but i no, have totally. trouble answering that question it's a hard question most people like have it like down and ready yeah. to go i'm just like i i definitely think other people i admire people for the things that they're doing but i don't know anybody well enough to say that like they i would like worship them or they right. would be my hero i know that everybody's kind of screwed up a little bit at the end of the day and you know i can yeah you can take bits and pieces but there's no, nothing or no one i'd ever like want to be but me <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> that's a pretty good place to be happy to be you you have no other choice that's yeah. it it's true that's all that's all there is you guys follow me on twitter at allison rosen follow the show's twitter feed at a-r-i-y-n-b-f jeff where should we go for you you can find me on facebook and twitter at colonel jeff fox okay sophia let them know where to find you and plug everything that you okay. want them to look out for well you can find nasty gal at nastygal.com. you can find the book at nastygal.com slash book my first one's called girl boss it's everywhere um and then you can find me, um, my podcast, Girl Boss Radio, in iTunes or anywhere podcasts are found. Okay. And Girl Boss, the TV show, next year. Next year on Netflix. You'll see it. And then, God, I don't know. I can't keep track. I'm <laughs> Sophia Amoruso, A M O R U S O, pretty much on all social media. So. Awesome. Thank you so much thank for you. doing the show. This is fun. Listeners, thank you for listening. I love you. Goodbye. Hey, do you know? and Rose and Show We had a good time